God to touch your heart in a special way. We had an incredible uh, Friday night with our ladies, um, so many wonderful women, and we just had a great time. And we had women that were really healed and delivered and set free, and the power of God was here, and it was so, so special. So I'm just so thankful for this weekend, but I'm glad to be here with you all. And I'm on part three of I Quit. Everybody say, I Quit. You don't even know what you're quitting yet, but you're just going to quit. Amen. So we're on week three. Week one, we talked about I quit making excuses. Last week, we talked about I quit complaining. Is this stepping on anybody's toes, these messages? I have to tell you the truth. Even as I'm preparing, I can find places of my heart that the Lord is dealing with me in. And the reason why I'm talking about the series I Quit is because I believe God is positioning his church to do great things for the Lord. I believe God wants to do incredible miracles and things in your life. And I want God wants to remove all the limitations from us. God wants us to remove all of our excuses, right? All of our complaining. And God wants us to walk into the fullness that he's called us to walk into. And if you have not got your prayer journal yet for 2020, your new notebook and your nice fancy pen, I encourage you to start thinking on that. Our 21-day fast is coming up very quickly, and we're going to start that on January 2nd. And so these messages are preparing us for 2020 to be, I believe, the year of miracles. I really believe that I believe it is the year of miracles in your life personally and in the kingdom of God. And I've already started writing in my prayer journal. I'm already receiving prophetic words personally from people. It's almost like God opened up a portal of heaven and his grace is coming down on me. And so I believe that that same anointing is going to flow down into your, into your lives and into your homes. And so I really want you to stay focused for what God has. Amen. So this week, I'm getting, getting into the I quit living in fear. And I really enjoyed putting this message together. And as I was personally studying it and putting it on paper, I felt the anointing of God the entire time I was preparing this because I think fear is the deep root of every situation that we go through. I believe fear is the root and it holds us back and it paralyzes us. And even though you may experience some good things in your walk with God or in your life, if we can get to the root of the fear that is really holding us back, we will do the exceptional things of God. We'll not only do, but we'll receive the exceptional things of God. And we'll do things that we never thought we could do if we could really expose the root of fear. And so I'm going to tap into a few things today. And I'm re really believing that the Lord is going to unearth maybe something in your heart that you didn't even know was there. And I know that God's going to heal that area of fear in your life so that you can be set free. Amen. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, has he? And we'll talk a lot about that this morning. And so, so many of us are living in the bondage of fear. Fear paralyzes us to step out in faith. Fear, lim fear limits us from doing the exceptional things that God has called us to do. I remember um, this girl told me one day, she was a drummer, and uh, I, she said, I bet you can't play the drums. And I'm like, I bet I can play the drums. She didn't think I could do it. Why? Because something inside of me said, I'm never going to let how I see myself hold me back from doing things in my life. I don't want fear or people's opinions or whatever it is to limit what I know God says I can do all things through Christ because he gives me the strength and the ability. Amen. 
I know everybody handles fear a little differently. Some of us withdraw, some of us retreat, some of us may go into depression. I'm like that crazy girl. I don't know what it is, but I like get this, I call sumo, sumo faith. I like bear down like, ah, and I just run towards my fear like a crazy person. I don't know why that is, but I do it. I'm almost thankful that God put that in my DNA. But you know what? Guess what I went on to do? I learned to play the drums. Thank you, Jesus. And not only did I play, I played for a women's ministry for a few years. And so every keyboardist hates me because I definitely speed everything up. But the point is, I did it, amen? I'm not going to let fear hold me back. And so when you're a child, when we're born into the world, uh, psychologists have said we're born with only two fears when we're children. One is falling and one is loud, and the other one is loud noises. And so if those are the only fears that we have as a natural instinct to protect ourselves, every other fear that we have in our life has been a learned fear. It's a learned fear, whether through a betrayal in a relationship, or maybe you had a loss, or maybe there was a failure in your life, or a disappointment, and nobody believed in you. So we adapt these fears, but they are not God-created fears in our life. And so what God wants to do is expose these fears, get them out of the way, so that you can walk in the freedom of Jesus, amen? And I believe that's the, the time we're walking into. Of course, there's all these you know, fears that we have of being in the dark or spiders or thunderstorms, but have any of you in this room have an irrational fear, like a fear that just makes you crazy? Like you do crazy things because maybe you, my brother is terrified of spiders, like he turns into a little girl if a spider is anywhere near. It's like this irrational fear and you do crazy things, right? Well, I have this fear of water, and I'll go into a pool or whatever, and I go to the ocean and I swim, but I have an inner fear of drowning because I think because I had asthma when I was younger, and so I'm always afraid I'm going to drown. And so, but when fear captures your heart, like everything just gets crazy in your mind. And we were in Hawaii this last year for my birthday, and I was out in the oceans, and I was braving it because I wanted to experience going, and the Hawaii waves are ginormous. Like, they're huge, and they're ferocious, actually. They're a little intimidating. But I see these little kids out there and I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. Remember, I'm the sumo faith girl. So I'm out there and, excuse me, all of a sudden this wave comes and me and Pastor Jenny and Quinn are out there. This wave comes and it's like the wave smashes you on top and then sucks you underneath. It's like this double whammy sandwich that hits you. And so all of a sudden I begin to spin in the water and I can't tell if I'm up, if I'm down and I'm spinning and spinning and I'm stuck under the water and all I kept saying is, God, don't let me drown in Hawaii. Like I am so terrified right now. Like, God, please let me find my way up. And these fears, this irrational fear was overtaking my mind. And so all of a sudden, of course, when the wave stops, what happens? It retreats back out, and I am only sitting this deep in water, literally, and I have sand covered from my, I mean, like like a, a cake of sand on my eyelashes, like the girls just started to laugh at me hysterically, and it was just whipping me in shallow water, but I didn't know that. My irrational fear was I'm sucked out to the sharks, I'm going to die in Hawaii, I can see it in the headlines today, right? Because when fear grips your heart, you begin to think irrationally. You get out of control. It takes control of your life, and you don't even realize it's maneuvering your ability to make good decisions or make different kind of decisions. Amen? Even last night, I was walking my dog. I walked him. It was only 930, but it was dark. And um, all of a sudden, and I'm teaching on fear, so it's interesting. My dog stops at this part by a bush, and I notice the large gutter you know, with the great. I've never noticed the gutters before in the streets, ever. I've walked it forever. 
And all of a sudden, I'm in the dark, and guess what I picture coming out of the gutter? Can anybody guess? It. The clown. All of a sudden, I, I haven't even seen the movie, but I'm like, oh, my God, the clown's going to come get me. I'm like, come on, Maverick, and I take off running. It was all in my imagination, but the fear gripped my heart that I know that clown is in that gutter, and he's about to crawl out and kill me. But anyway, that is a true story, but I'm going to share with you this morning four of life's most common fears, and we're going to expose some of these this morning, okay? Number one, and I'm talking about deep-rooted fears, um, things that hold you back, things that limit you from good decisions. Number one is fear of loss, something that's important to you. You know, maybe uh, you have a fear of losing your spouse. You always kind of walk in this making sure I hope they're going to be okay when they leave this house, and you're always worried about if they're going to be okay, or maybe if your child's going to be okay if they go to school, and you're always bound in fear, and you're overprotective, and maybe you have a fear of of financial loss, maybe losing your job or an investment, and you feel like you can't hold it all together, and that's a fear of loss, and you feel like you have to, in a sense, lose control. You have to keep control of everything. And people who feel like they've lost control, what happens is they get very angry and frustrated because they can't control what's happening. And that's actually a fear of loss. It's a stronghold. And so people become controlling because actually they're fearful that they can't handle what's coming their way. And they really need God to step into it. As I begin to point out, I'm only going to give four this morning briefly, but as I begin to point out some of these things, just kind of put a check mark in your heart. Maybe this is an area that you can work on or maybe write it in your notebook because God wants to unearth these things. The second thing is the fear of failure. Maybe you feel inadequate and you don't measure up. Maybe you did try something and you failed before. And you think, if I try it again, I have this fear of failure. I don't want to step out again in faith. Um, Maybe you're afraid to share your faith, but you want to do it, but you don't feel adequate to do it. Or start a business. What happens with fear of failure is it paralyzes you. And you can have great things on the inside of you. You can have God maybe wants you to write a book or start a, um, maybe you have a witty invention, something God wants you to create, to create wealth into your life, into the kingdom. But fear of failure holds us back from ever trying. You know, John Maxwell said it's better to fail, and and what you do is you fail forward. Fail forward. Because guess what? You're going to make mistakes. Maybe you failed in that business, but the next one's going to take off, right? So if you fall, just fall forward and take new territory and rise up and do it again. Don't let fear paralyze you from stepping into what God has for your life. Amen? The third one is the fear of rejection. Man, maybe there's a guy that's afraid to ask a girl out, afraid she's going to say no, so they just would rather not do that, right? Or maybe there's a a fear of rejection that um, you have people pleasing. You always want to make everybody happy because if you can make everybody happy, then they'll always like you and they won't leave your life. Well, that's never going to be reality, amen? Somebody's going to hurt us. Somebody's going to betray us. Somebody's going to walk out of our life, unfortunately. But it's allowing God to come in and heal that area where maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been betrayed. I've been betrayed in my life. I've had, very, I've had a pastor betray me in my life. I really have to tell you a great testimony because just Saturday, Saturday, I was sitting at my desk studying and praying, and I received a text from someone that hurt me years, years ago, 12 years ago. And I never got bitterness in my heart. I released them to the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And unexpectedly, I got this beautiful text. I love you so much, and I've always loved you, and I'm sorry for anything that came between us. 
You know, and so, yeah, we have rejection. People leave us. They falsely accuse us. But when you put God, when you let the root of fear go, and I'll share this at the end, God will cover you, and you don't have to be afraid to receive love again. You don't have to be afraid to have friendships and be vulnerable again. God can be there to cover you even though you're stepping out again and where fear has hurt you, amen? And the last one I think is a lot of us struggle with is the fear of the unknown, we don't do a lot of things because we're afraid goes to the worst, and we don't have the ability to trust God because I'm afraid of what I can't see. Isn't that true? Or maybe there's some who struggle with my dad died of cancer, my grandpa died with cancer, and I have this unknown fear that I may die of cancer, right? So this is unknown fear that's controlling us. Maybe you're afraid that someone you love, the unknown, is going to get hurt or die, or maybe you feel if you reach for that promotion, that you'll be rejected. You don't know what's going to happen or they won't promote you or you'll feel stupid if you don't get it. Well, you never know unless you try, right? You never know. So you might as well step out in faith and trust God in the process. And listen, whatever you're stepping out into in the unknown, if it's God, he's got you. And if it's not God and he shuts the door, good, then God's got you, right? Because he's going to put you right where you need to be so you're in win-win with God. There's no losing when you have God's trust on your side, amen? Because God is always making a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe you know people or yourself have been in an abusive situation and they never get out of it because they're afraid of, well, what does it look like if I'm not in this? It's the unknown of freedom. It's the unknown if they're not in my life. Maybe single people are dating because they're afraid of, well, what if I'm alone and I can't let go of what I know isn't God because I'm afraid if nothing ever comes. It's the unknown, right? I think so many of us dabble in that area of the unknown, but God wants to release us from those things that paralyze us, amen? It's time to look fear in the face and say, you're not going to control me anymore, you're not a part of my DNA. God did not give me fear, amen? And I'm gonna step out in faith this year. I'm gonna, and that's why I'm gonna close out this year in courageous faith because I want us to get our expectancy up. Let's do something we've never done before. Let's step out afraid, amen? Let's do something afraid this year and really trust God. And it may be an extravagant giving. It may be an extravagant serving. It may be sharing your faith. It may be opening up your home and letting all your friends know that you love Jesus and, and being fearful, doing it, and trusting God while you do it. I've learned that when God calls me by faith, it is always when I'm afraid. Why? Because it's always going to be him in the middle of it and not me anyway. Because if I'm able to do it, it's really not my own faith. It's my own ability. But when I'm doing something afraid, I know God's right in the center of it. And he's enlarging my capacity. Amen. So let's look at 2 Timothy 1.7. This is the New King Jane Version. And what does it said? And I want to point out, for God, everybody say God. God has not given me a spirit of fear. See, God did not give you fear. God did not put in your DNA the ability to fear. He put all power, all might, and all authority in you through his son Jesus, right? God didn't give you that fear. God didn't give you the fear of loss or rejection or abandonment or the unknown, right? Who gives that to you? The devil gives that to you. The enemy puts that. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. See, whenever you're facing that you're afraid of, you have the God of all resources on your side. You have the God of all ability who says you can do all things through Jesus Christ. You have God's wisdom. When I'm in a situation that I don't know how to maneuver it, or even like if I'm planning an event, I'll just say, Holy Spirit, I invite you in 
to show me the way. What am I doing? I'm afraid of what I'm facing, but God, you can give me the wisdom and the direction to maneuver around it. See, you invite God into your fear. You invite God and bring God closer to you, amen? And then God's gonna give you the power to push through that fear and resistance. He's gonna give you the courage to do that thing that you're afraid of doing. And the moment that you do it, it's gonna empower you and your faith is almost gonna be like a surge and you're gonna think, listen, you're gonna think, why didn't I do that sooner? And it's almost like a sense of disappointment because I could have been walking in this revelation this entire time and I've been holding myself back because I'm afraid of what it looks like when I have God who says, I'm a lamp into your feet, a light into your path, and I won't stumble and I'll make it clear ahead of you. We have God on our side, amen? Fear is not from God. Fear is from the spiritual enemy. So what you have to do when fear feels like it's rising up in your heart, you have to stop and say, no. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Fear, you're not going to hold me back. Fear, you're not going to be my decision maker. You're not going to be my source any longer. I'm going to pull on the great I am who lives in me. I'm going to pull on the power of God who says he'll be with me every step that I take, that I walk by faith. Amen? Yet so many of us stay consumed in fear, but God did not give us that spirit of fear. We don't have to be anxious we don't have to be overwhelmed. If you are troubled about things, if you are wringing your hands and worried and overwhelmed, it's time to throw your hands to Jesus and say, God, I cast it at your feet. I'm given all this fear, this worry, this anxiety. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how there's going to be a way, but God, I know that you can. Amen. It's time to surrender those things to God because God did not give me that spirit of fear. Amen. You may have heard this before, and I think I've even preached it, but we hear this saying, fear is the opposite of faith. How many has heard that before? Fear is the opposite of faith, and it sounds good, and it may be somewhat true, but I really believe fear is faith in the wrong direction. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Because I'm saying when I can't step out and trust God, I have more faith in the thing that I'm hanging on to than the faith to trust what God says I can do. So fear is a faith working in the wrong direction. And we need to sever that fear. My faith is not in the stability of this economy. My paycheck, all of that can be gone in a flash. But when I know God is my provider, when I know that God makes a way where there seems to be no way, when I know that God favors me ahead of me, not by my education, not about my experience, not about that bad report that happened six years ago, God is on my side today, amen? And when I know he is for me, who can be against me? You need to look fear in the face and say, you're not going to control me this year. Fear is a bully and intimidation to stop the greatness of God that's on the inside of you, amen? So fear is faith in the wrong direction. Fear is what? Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. I'm going to call it the what-ifs this morning. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. What if this happens in my life? It's rare that people wake up in the morning and go, what if something good happens today? I mean, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. What if I get a promotion today? I'm totally not expecting that, God, right? We don't, we don't wake up going, what if it's good? The only thing that we wonder what if is when we buy that lottery ticket. What if this is the winner? Scratch, 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 scratch. I'm not against it, so you don't have to be worried <laughs> if you do it. I'm just saying, we, that's the only thing we buy into, right? But what I'm saying is we don't have a natural instinct to think the good. We have a natural in instinct to think, what if this happens in my life? 
right? We've talked about Moses quite a bit in the first two weeks that we were studying. And Moses, we know, had a visitation from God, right? God had a plan for Moses' life. And if you study the scripture, it said that God visited Moses, listen to this, in a fiery bush that never consumed. Can you imagine walking out and seeing a cactus on fire and it's not consumed and you hear the voice of God saying, this is what I've called you to do. I've called you to go win the world or whatever the assignment from God is. And then we walk away and go, yeah, I don't know if that was really real. This is what happened to Moses. God visited him in a burning bush and said, I've called you, Moses. I want you to go back to my people and tell them what I've said to you. And what happened? Moses played the what-if game. I'm going to ask you this morning how many of us are playing the what-if game. Let's look at Exodus 4.1. What did he say? Moses answered God while he was in the burning bush. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you? He had a fear. What if? It's the unknown. What if the people reject me? What if the people say, I'm crazy? What if the people say, God never said that to you? It was the unknown, but yet God was standing right in front of him. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what are the what ifs in your life? What if the economy drops? What if I lose my job? What if maybe my spouse cheats on me or my children get hurt? Maybe there's a fear of what if I never get married? What if I marry the biggest jerk in the world, right? (laughs) What if I can't have children? What if I end up with six children? Like there's all these what ifs and we just are worried all the time wondering what if, what if, what if. I want to pause and ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this. Why does your what ifs matter? Why does God care about what you're fearful about? Why is it important that we have a message for you to unearth the fears of your life? I'm going to give you two this morning that I think will empower you to help you overcome the what ifs. Number one, why does my what ifs matter? Number one, because what you fear reveals what you value the most. And that's good. You need to stop and think, if I am fearful about my children, I'm always wondering if they're going to get hurt or somebody's going to take them away or my spouse is going to leave me or cheat on me. You have to grasp and say, but that's what I love the most, God. And that's important to me. So is that what you're fearful about wrong? No, embrace that. My spouse is important. My providing for my family is important, whatever that is, right? But now, God, I need to trust and give them to you because they're not in my care, they're in your care. So I can embrace, I don't have to just go, well, I'm going to stop worrying about them. No, God, I love my spouse so much that I'm going to commit to pray over them every day. I'm going to commit to trust you, God, to keep your hands on them and give them ears to hear and a hedge of protection. And I have to step back and trust God. Amen. I'm going to trust God with finances. I'm going to trust God with my job, all those things. Amen. The second reason why it's important to know um, why the what ifs matter, and this is probably the, the bringer homer, but number two says, what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. So now I know what I love, but I also identified, but I'm not trusting God. And that's not a negative thing. That's a good thing. It's almost like an indicator light that goes off. You know, when you're driving your car and now all these modern cars, lights go off for everything. But your indicator light will go off, your tires are low. 
There's no reason to get mad about that. That's letting me know I need to go in and repair the tires before they do more damage and cause an unalignment in my car, which is going to require more work down the road, right? So if you are fearful about something, ask the Lord, show me, God, right? I need to see so that I can fix it or allow you to heal it because it's a red light saying, warning, warning, warning. It's holding you back. It's destroying that relationship. It's keeping you away from godly connections because you're afraid to connect because you've been hurt. It's a warning light saying, but I want to bring godly people back into your life, right? So we need to embrace that. If it's your children, you're not trusting God to protect your kids. If it's your marriage, you're not trusting God to protect your marriage, right? If it's betrayal, you're not trusting God in this situation. So we have to be honest with God right now, okay? You're going to be honest with God yourself. And you're going to ask yourself this, I'm not trusting God with fill in the blank. This is your assignment. Take it home, write it down. Or maybe you you know it's a neon sign. I'm not trusting God with what? Maybe someone you love. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's church leadership. Maybe it's God's promises over your life. Some of you may have promises, (coughs) excuse me, God spoke to you. If somebody could bring me a little water, I have a tickle. If you're not trusting God, maybe you have some promises that were years ago. God says, bring them back. Bring them back to your heart. If there's been prophetic words that have been spoken over your life, bring them back, amen? (coughs) Thank you, sweetheart. It's dry. I can keep it. Thank you. I'm not trusting God with And pretty much what you're not trusting God with is where you've lost your joy. Where have you lost your joy? What has robbed your faith? Something that used to be so alive and wonderful to you now is empty and void. And we think that we can never get back the joy of whatever that was. And that's a fear. And God wants to redeem it. Amen. God wants to give it back to you. I don't have time. Oh, my gosh. But Esther, you read the book of Esther. No, Ruth. We always focus on Ruth, how she got Boaz and her redeemer. But Naomi was the woman who had um, lost her husband, lost both of her sons. There was no inheritance for her. She was bitter. She pushed everybody away and said, get away. Why would you want to stay with me? Nothing can ever come blessing into my life. And if it did, would you wait all those years for me really to have a son again and for them to grow up? She was pushing everybody out. But she trusted God. And at the very end of the story, What did God do? God gave her a son-in-law. God gave her a wealthy son-in-law, and God gave her a grandchild. See, you can push things out because you've been hurt and all these fears, or you can trust God and say, I'm going to brace you, God, and I know the past was broken, but I'm going to trust you to redeem and restore my future. Amen? Because we serve such a good God. So what area are you not trusting God in? Quickly, how do we face the what-if fears? How do we face them? Number one, acknowledge your fears and choose to trust God. You have to just choose. Is it that easy? Yes. You have to make a choice to trust the God of the universe. Amen. Everything within me, God, I'm going to trust you. It's like flipping off a light switch. Fear is embracing my heart, and I'm saying, no, God, I'm going to embrace your promises. Fears and gripping my heart. I'm overwhelmed again. I'm having anxiety. No, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put all things into your hands. Amen. You're a light into my feet, a lamp into my path. Whatever scripture verses you have to say. And if you study the story of uh, David, David was anointed king, but at the time Saul was king. 
Saul was jealous of David. And so what did Saul do? He said, I'm going to send my army against you, David, and they're going to kill you. And the whole army began to pursue David and try to take his life. That would be like if the president of the United States got word and said, I need all the ore armies, all the forces to go get Matthias Flick. <laughs> Seek and destroy, right? That is literally the command that came from the king. Go get that man of God and destroy him. That was the assignment. And David, I'm sure, as you might be a little concerned, Matthias, where are they going to come? What direction are they going to be? I'm going to protect my family. I want to make sure. And we go into fear mode to self-protect the assignment of the enemy against our life. And instead of taking on the force of who we are, amen? So if you look at Psalms 56, the story of where David was at in this moment, he said, my slanderers pursue me all day. Many are attacking me in their pride. When I am afraid of what? You fill in your blank. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. What are you afraid of? Whenever I'm afraid, I'm going to trust you. When I'm worried about the economy, I'm going to trust you. When I'm worried about my spouse leaving me, I'm going to choose joy and trust you. When I'm worried about my children and I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to choose to trust you, God, that you've got my children in the palm of your hands. Amen? You have to choose to trust God. He said, I'm not going to be worried about Saul. I know the God that anointed me as king. And if he pursues me, I know God will overtake my enemy. He can't have any right over me, amen? I will trust you by faith, God. In God, put that back up there, sweetheart. In God, whose world, word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. In God I trust. We take God out of there and we put something else and we put our trust in that. And I'm going to tell you that whatever you replace with God will be a hole in your bucket. Dear Liza, dear Liza. How many remember that? A hole in your bucket, right? Why? Because nothing can contain what God has held up. That's a word from God. Amen? In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Right? What can man do to you? Man can do a lot to you. Man can kill you. Man can steal from you. Man can betray you. But in God I trust. What, what was David doing? He was looking from a, he changed from the temporal life point of view to the eternal perspective of God. He said, I know in the natural I'm afraid, but I'm looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen. God is the one. God is the provider. God is the way maker. And David was willing to look in the direction of God. Amen. The farthest I've learned I get away from God, the more fear I have. The more fear I have. Fear has, has room if I get away from God. But the closer I get to God, fear has no place. If I let fear encompass me, he's got, he's got leeway. But if I get close to Jesus, and I'm loving Jesus, and I'm in his word, and I'm worshiping him, fear doesn't have room to come into my life. Amen? How do we do that? Number two, seek God until he takes your fear away. Seek God. If there's a fear that is encompassing your heart this year, you need to be on pursuit of being set free. You need to be intentional this year. Intentional. I'm dealing with the root of fear in my life, God. It is not going to hold me back. And you, how are you going to do that? Seeking God, getting close to the Father, getting close to his word. 
a men in this ministry, we have an awesome men's ministry, getting on that Marco Polo, getting connected with men of God like faith. You'll hear their stories. You'll hear their disappointments. You encourage one each other, build one another up, getting involved in the men's event coming up, women getting involved with faith sisters. Why do we do that? Because we need our sisterhood. We need one another. We need to love each other, pray for one another, amen? When we're going through stuff, we have to draw nearer to God. Psalms 34.4 says this, I sought the Lord, this is David, and what? He answered me. When you're going through fear, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And what did he do? He delivered me from all my fears. Thank you, Jesus. When you search God, fear can't hold you hostage any longer. Amen? There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Before I close up this message, I just want you to close your eyes right now. Father, we pause in your anointing. We pause in your presence right now, Holy Spirit. And I ask, Father God, that any area that they are struggling with fear, any area where they are paralyzed and held captive, Lord, we renounce it in the name of Jesus. We renounce this fear and sin that would hold them captive and paralyze them, Father God. And we release the freedom of the Holy Spirit to touch them right where they're at right now, God. Break the shackles. Break people's opinions, Father God. Break any of the way they were raised and what they were spoken over or not spoken over, God. We release all those things off of their hearts. We release courageous faith to soar into their hearts right now, Father God. Supernaturally, by you, Holy Spirit. Reach down deep into them. Give them a capacity this year to face their fears, Father God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' name. Amen. The last thing I want to close with is this verse, number three. God will be your shield from fear. God will be your shield from fear. When Abraham was promised a son, listen, it didn't happen for years. And I want to list some questions really quickly that Abraham asked that maybe you're asking yourself today. How much longer do I have to wait, God? Why has it been delayed? Has God changed his mind? Was there some problem in my life I don't know about? Have I sinned and eliminated myself? Did I do something displeasing to you, God? Why was Sarah's room still closed? If God had promised this, why is it taking so long? Have I touched anybody's heart today? Abraham had so many questions. And God saw doubt. Listen, God saw doubt doubt in Abraham's heart. And the all-gracious, loving God says, I know where your fear lies. I understand what you've been through. And he says, I've got you, Abraham. I've got what you're going through. And if you go through the scripture verse, Genesis 15, 1, when God knew all of Abraham's fears, it says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. What was God doing? God says, I'm going to cover you, Abram. I'm going to cover you in your fears. I'm going to cover you in your shame. I'm going to be that shield about you until you get to the other side. 
So you don't have to be afraid that you're alone. You don't have to feel vulnerable, insecure. I'm going to be that shield about you. And what does that shield do while you're waiting on God for your deliverance? It protects you in time of doubt. And it rescues you in time of danger. God's love is a strong protector around your heart today. Amen. He is a shield about you. And I'm asking the Lord to give you amazing, courageous faith this year. Let's quit the I I am afraid. Let's quit that. Amen. Let's recognize it. Let's expose that limitation for what it is and rise up this year and have some courageous faith in God. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe there's just some fears that you've hang on to and right now you're just going to say, Lord, they're yours. Just tell the Lord right now, those fears are yours. Those are yours, God. I'm exposing them. I'm becoming vulnerable to you, Father God. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Maybe there's somebody who's saying it for the first time or somebody that's just getting some things in alignment with the Father. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. And any area that I put trust in other things, I ask you to forgive me and I put you back in the center of my heart, my mind, my feelings, and my choices. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a great big praise this morning. If you said that prayer for the first time or rededication, please pull out the I Choose card in the chair in front of you. Make your way forward. Our altar workers would love to bless you and give you some information of what it means to give your life to Jesus. Amen. I love you all so much. Have a-